1: This is everything elite, presented by my bookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined. I think we're getting close to evening this out by my good friend Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate?
2: Hello, Aaron. Hello, real EE podheads out there in the Codyverse listening to the podcast um what's up uh been playing a lot of captain Tsubasa I, I teased that last week um and was anxious to get off the pod here and go play it delivers big time so hearty recommendation from me if you're looking for a uh insane anime soccer visual novel slash arcade game
1: how do you feel about Subasa the wrestler
2: Subasa the wrestler yeah which promotion is Subasa the wrestler in?
1: Uh, you're going to find your your Subasa largely in uh, Oz Academy, your uh, your Pure J, your uh, you know those kind of places.
2: These are uh, these these are two uh, underground and uh, uh, <laughs> um, something Joshi promotions for me to be familiar with.
1: Uh, that's true. I mean, did you watch the uh, the recent? katano milky way pro wrestling event no
2: okay sounds delicious
1: (laughs) i mean to be fair you would have only seen her in oz academy if you were watching uh several years ago
2: but when when you first said uh you know what are your thoughts on about the wrestler i was like is that is that one of the relatives of andres of the giant panda is that who
1: (laughs) (laughs) that would have been sick i wish i would have said that uh no Subasa hangs out in Oz Academy, Pure J, pretty much the places I said. Why did I doubt myself there? That's right, that's where she is. But you don't, you're not familiar with her. Uh, no. Well, she's 44, so you got plenty of footage to go back and watch. Uh, anytime. Well,
2: I'm, I'm well known to do is go back and watch old footage, classic yeah. thing. <laughs>
3: We all know Nate's just going to load up whatever Pure J services and just scroll back to 2011 after the show and watch all of. That was, a, hey, that was
2: a great year for Pure J. I know that much. So <laughs> it was.
3: You, you, you see, I when when AB brought Subasa, I was thinking there's another wrestler in Japan named Subasa, and he's mo- mainly an Osaka Pro guy who does uh, uh, Big Japan and has done some Toriyama and Dragon Gate. So, like, that's who I was thinking of when you brought up Subasa. So, there uh, I can't believe so, uh,
2: I can't believe Mike thought of the person who's uh, been in Toriumon and Dragon Gate when we <laughs> came up with the Japanese name. I, so I, I know
3: Big Sunner. Big folks. If you're wondering who that voice
1: is, the man talking about Dragon Gate and Toriumon, <laughs> it's Mike Spears. What's up, Mike?
3: Uh, to be fair, this Subasa has appeared in Reina and JWP, so there could be some crossovers of the Tsubasa cross Tsubasa. Up <laughs> speaking of subasa i got a major question for you nate do you see that that captain subasa is going to be a burgeoning esport that that's all i oh. care that's all i care about is does it have good net code like are we expecting this to really start developing on the internet now
2: uh i i think the steam the pc version i think is pretty buggy so far including the net code um but as far as i know the ps4 version is uh you know totally functional uh, I a lot of the game is doing this weird campaign visual novel thing where you take your custom player and like, you know, sort of uh, hand craft them into a certain type of player based on your your play and your decisions, and then using that to put him into your dream team and then taking the dream team online. So it could really be an extremely complex eSport uh, if you know you have to <laughs> all the all the professional Tsubasa players out there have to go through. Uh, the entire middle school league in Japanese middle school soccer, uh, in order to perfectly craft their, uh, you know, weak side striker to have the correct finishing move or whatever.
3: You know, sounds
1: difficult. As, as we were discussing this, I was just thinking,
2: what kind of people do you think listen to the show? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Nobody. Uh, you know, I I mostly use it as an avenue to talk about whatever. Uh, strikes me as amusing in the moment and whatever I'm enjoying. Uh, Get very little, you know, we do get some good feedback in the Discord, uh, but almost no input whatsoever on any of my particular interests that I bring to the show. Like, uh, you you know, these weird anime tangents.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's got to be people out there who are like, fuck yeah, Captain Tsubasa. Uh,
2: Yeah, it's mostly for me and Kara. As you know, a lot of tweets are just for me and Kara, really.
1: (laughs) Sure. Well, if you want to read more about Nate's thoughts on Captain Tsubasa, you can follow us first at EverythingAW on Twitter. I'm at Aaron, like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at FujiHeya. Yeah. Subscribe to the podcast. Please, you can, if you use the Apple Podcast app, give us a rating, give us a review. Uh, five stars only. And if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to Patreon.com slash EverythingElite on the show. Tonight, it's it's the go-home show. It's our go-home show, baby. It's uh, We're going to talk about Dynamite from last night, or Wednesday night, rather. We're going to talk about the ratings. We're going to talk about All Out, of course, coming up on Saturday. And we're going to play Elite, or Delete, which we're going to start with right now, which I should have just paused so that Mike could do the drop instead of now going to do it again. Now we're going to play Elite,
4: or Delete. Delete! Elite. Delete! Elite! 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 Delete! Elite! 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 Funny, Ant- elite! Alec, stop! Stop! Elite!
1: Stop! stop. stop. stop! stop. stop! All right, Nate, uh, here's the thing about the show last night. Not that good, so I'm, I'm interested to hear hmm. what your favorite thing was from it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was hard for me to pick a favorite part of Dynamite. Um, I actually had to watch it a few times to... Uh, get a full read of it, I think, and get all the, all the little references and stuff. Uh, But I went with right at the beginning, uh, Jungkook is singing uh, and he has, it's in like, what's meant to be, I think a Western, a typical Western bedroom. Uh, And he's putting in a lot of like Western references. Uh, You know, he's going to jump to the top like LeBron Uh, and the whole, the bedroom is decorated with like multiple of the exact same Beatles posters and David Bowie posters And queen posters and stuff like they had the set designer go oh what do western people like when they're singing in english Uh, and it's like oh the beatles let's get three abbey road posters in there Uh, i think that's my favorite part you know it goes on to be a really colorful episode i thought uh with the giant smoke explosions and all the color um but that, that was the most amusing part to me
1: mike your favorite part of bts dynamite
3: I have never watched a BTS thing. <sighs> so I have. So, so, so I knew that Nate was doing a reference there, but I had no clue what's going on here. So, it, took
1: me, it took me a solid seven seconds to figure out what was happening.
3: I, I, I'm still confused. I'm still confused <laughs> what's going on here.
2: It, it's, it's the first scene on Dynamite. I don't know how you could have missed it, Mike.
3: I've never seen this music video. I know it's number one on Billboard right now, but I've never seen it. So.
2: I, Nate, I know it, you it, have considerably stronger than this uh, episode of the, the wrestling promotion.
1: I know you, I, oh, have I, abandoned... I believe it. Nate, I know you have abandoned us, but I, I'm girl groups only still, no matter what you do.
2: Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, that, that seems like, you know, maybe it's kind of outmoded maybe that's kind of a, uh, a problematic more conservative mindset to, to limit myself like that. So yeah, all the way in on BTS.
1: All right. Well, I guess I should ask. I mean, did you watch the episode of of wrestling, or did you just watch BTS? <laughs> I, I did. Again? I
2: found myself uh, I found myself looking away from it pretty frequently to put on the BTS video again. Um, but yeah, I, I, it actually did have a I had a hard time holding my attention. I'm going to say my favorite part of this was broadly uh, the FTR and Kenny Kenny and Hangman segment. Uh, I was going to come on and just say, uh, Kenny wearing the Hatakamura shirt and then plugging the shirt was the best part of the show and leave it at that. But the rest of the segment was pretty decent and pretty functional. I thought, uh, really the problem with this show is that a lot of things were like, here's what needs to happen in this feud. Here's the functional next step between where we are and where we're going for the pay-per-view. Uh, and just everything felt very perfunctory and didn't have a lot of the, you know, uh, Emotion or intensity, or whatever it is that gets you hooked in pro wrestling. But this segment I thought did a pretty decent job of striking a balance here. Um, You know, and it also exceeded expectations because Kenny comes out for an in ring promo, and you're kind of like, oh, what's this going to be? You know, Kenny doing a promo. He's got a weird Hulk Hogan energy out there when he's promoing, uh, you know, talking to Tony Schiavone. Um, And, you know, it could also be a lot of melodrama between these teams because that's what a lot of this is bordered on. But I thought it was all pretty fine, you know the the last part of the segment with uh, Hangman going to hand the second tag belt to Kenny and Kenny already having removed himself from the ring and the camera shooting that well and you know turning and seeing that Kenny is also left him alone there in the ring uh, was pretty good and hey you get like you know some classic Kenny Golden Lovers continuity and what he talked about as well so yeah I'll, I'll shout out that segment.
3: I it's something with this segment that. It t- it goes high and lows on the segment a lot. Like there were parts of the segment that I absolutely detested, like the bottle of chalk, like that as like a line just made me cringe. I thought that that was pretty lame. And then the idea that FTR, I thought that Dax had a really awesome part of the segment where he went, "Well, I we aren't the bad guys here, uh, Hangman. You fooled yourself. You're the person that." that is like when it is like a lost person who's like trying to grab on someone on and, and cling on them so you you're the one who abandoned your friends that was all you and i felt like that that was a real solid thing that provided this feud a little bit juice but then he then talked about saying he's looking forward for an athletic con, con, contest and i'm like oh that is really like after you're talking about we're gonna get the belts we're gonna be the champions we're gonna be the top guys i'm looking forward to an athletic contest it just that part of it didn't do it for me but Overall, for like the things that were moving on towards the pay-per-view, I felt like that this one was the one that really had the necessary next step versus all the other feuds that felt like that they were kind of just treading water and almost forgot that they had another week of TV before all out.
1: If you're wondering why uh, I sound different right now, it's because I realized while Nate was talking that my mic wasn't even plugged in. Uh, I was just (laughs) talking into this mic for no reason whatsoever. I looked over to check my levels cause I had, I was uh, doing some music earlier. So I turned the volume up a little, the input. And I was like, okay, I need to make sure I have that back down for the podcast. <laughs> and I was like, there's no lights on what the, huh? Oh, not plugged in. So, uh, anyway, I'm it back. Sound different.
2: Good. Um, Hope it sounds. Yeah, better. that's good. We will not get any, uh, you know, snarky ads about it later.
1: Yeah, well we will, but, um, then they'll realize that it's, it's fixed. Uh, My thoughts are uh, probably a combination of of your all's thoughts. I hated, you know, it's just the classic, what Mike was talking about with the athletic contest, the classic FTR of like, who the fuck are you talking to? (laughs) Like you are making this little joke that like 10 people care about in any real way.
2: Nothing's wrong with making little jokes (laughs) that fewer than 10 people care about.
1: (laughs) Well, okay. But, you know, unfortunately we don't have 900 and whatever thousand people listening to our show so like it just it didn't drive anything elsewhere it's literally like just to pop them and so yeah I hated that I thought the hangman like hangman stuff at the end was not very good the people around him I thought did a good job yeah I'm really fascinated of obviously we all think FTR is gonna win uh so I'm fascinated with where they go with hangman because it's like you can do the, you don't have to turn hangman heel right I still think the whole thing's dumb. Like the whole the thing of him interfering to screw the bucks, I just think I'll never be able to square that with the rest of his character. But you don't have to make him go heel here. You can do it like, oh, this is you know my real absolute low, and we see him kind of building back up, and then you get bigger and bigger crowds, and he's received as a, as a hero again. I hope that's kind of the way they go. Uh, I guess another interesting idea is is perhaps uh, Kenny being the one who goes heel and you can have like cleaner Kenny for a few months building up to a match with Mox. So I'm just, if nothing else, this is like the one thing on this show that made me think about where we could possibly be going in the future, which is something that's nice.
2: Yeah. The hangman did add to his Twitter bio that he is a piece of shit. So, you know, he's, exhibiting that he uh, has some regret about that and maybe this is him hitting his low the sort of interesting thing about um you know maybe contemporary wrestling in general is that when those guys turn quote unquote heel that makes them much more popular as baby faces to cheer right like hangman is the drunk asshole who was a heel the whole time was very over his baby face and obviously the reddit crowd's gonna go ape shit for the cleaner which is like I guess technically a heel act but will be Hugely received as a babyface. Um, so yeah, there's kind of attention there. It's like, yeah, let's turn Hangman and Kenny, and then we turn them, and then they just get more babyface reactions, right? That you, you know, there's no real I guess there's no real losing there, but there's also no real winning. Mike, what about
3: you? What was your favorite part of this episode? I've been like looking over my notes and I think it's the uh, Thunder Rosa versus Serena Deeb match, and it's not because I think that it's necessarily a smart piece of booking. I think it just was a really good match. I felt like that that was showing like someone like Serena, who has been around for a while, but still is not someone who that like she's been on U.S. wrestling and she's been part of WWE, she, but but she's been like someone that in a lot of ways was not really used very well when she was in WWE initially. She was rehired as a producer and then was furloughed and came back. But this was just like a solid match. It was given more time than the women's division usually gets. Uh, a little, uh, It's a little perplexing other than let's go out there and have a good match on having your challenger have like an eight to nine minute match against someone that's never been on TV before. And how is that going to get over the idea that your challenger is going to be this like, this person who could beat Hikaru Shida. But other than that, like, the match is great. And Serena Deeb is someone that, with how it seems like that they're re-engineering the women's division, given uh, COVID restrictions, given that the, uh, the British wrestlers that they've had under contract have all pretty much been released, and then no one's coming over from Japan anytime soon. Having someone like Serena Deeb around that would be able to have, like, these matches that's pretty much training on the fly with, like, your... With, like, your Anna Jay, your Abaddon, your Tay Conti's, whomever is such a would be such like an added benefit for the promotion right now. And I felt like this match was like the one match where I was afterwards, I was not completely perplexed about why what we were doing here.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think this was the best wrestling match on the program. Um, and it, it, well, kind of been a little bit of a surprise to me. I've always liked Thunder Rosa, uh, but Serena Deeb, I have probably never seen her like wrestle in Honest to God wrestling match like she was like you know i probably dipped in for part of her run as the straight edge society but i don't know that she ever wrestled a meaningful match in that time uh but you know i know she had a good reputation but it was great to see what she had um but yeah very very weird for the best wrestling match on the show to have also like kind of been misbooked in that it was five minutes too long and the challenger like went too even with this Uh, you know, random person who's appearing on your promotion for the first time. Um, I guess it's like, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of, maybe this is, uh, projecting or just misreading it or whatever, but I kind of think this is like part of the weird old school, like (laughs) ring of honor message board or like PWG super fan kind of thinking where it's like, Oh, we're going to book this match to show how great a wrestler Thunder Rosa is, which in like this weird, uh, you know, post internet wrestling, uh, landscape means, oh, she's going to go 10 minutes and have a really good competitive match with someone instead of being like, oh, she's going to go beat them in two minutes and then, you know, stand on their fallen body or whatever. It's like, that's kind of, you know, it's the same thing we see with uh, the hangman page and Omega matches where they go out with everybody under the sun and go for 18 minutes. So that's weird, but you know, kind of a small complaint because it was again, the best match on the show. Yeah, I have this ongoing theory that I think
1: I've mostly done on uh, our light show on our Patreon that Tony never actually watched territory wrestling that I don't know where he's like gotten this uh, this reputation for being like a territory guy. But he's obviously just, as you're saying, a a ring of honor guy, ECW guy. I mean, so I think we see that in this kind of thing, like you're saying, because, yeah, the the right thing to do would have been to have her come out and just absolutely kill somebody. And make it seem like, oh, shit, she's really a a challenger for Sheeta. Now, it's tough because you don't really have a perfect person for her to like. That's like established enough that you could see Rosa really like beat. And you're like, oh, wow. Like uh, she's really up there in the in the echelon uh, or in the upper echelon. But um, they did this instead. And, you know, it was interesting hearing uh, Tony Khan on the media call today. He was saying that he tries to focus on wrestling for 48 shows a year and then his four shows four go home shows he wants to have the first hour be focused on wrestling and a second hour focused on stories and you could hear him you know expressing uh, perhaps some regret or some consideration that that had played out poorly on this episode and so that maybe he needed to rethink that strategy and he kept saying that he was counting on Thunder Rosa and Serena Deeb to have the to do the wrestling in the second hour of the show that they were otherwise missing. It's like, well, what's funny, Tony is this was the time for story, buddy. You know? <laughs> so yeah, this uh, is like the one
3: time though, the one time where like you do need to build up your challenger and it was good wrestling. Like it was a fun match and I get the idea there, but he, this is like the shame of like that. They have some, they have like the whole big swole now in her own universe right now, with Britt Baker. Cause the person to come in, and if for Thunder Rosa to beat definitively very quickly would have been Big Swole. And then that would have been a thing of like, all right, Big Swole is a known property. But since she's in a different feud, you can't really like take her out of that for it. Because it, it does feel like that, like with the way that he says like 48 weeks of wrestling and then four weeks of stories, this felt like the weakest like go home show they've ever had. Like, I, I don't think I've come on to, I don't think we've done an episode before one of their pay-per-views where we've been like, well, um, we'll see how things go because that's kind of how like I feel about this. Like I, there was someone who was in my mentions today and I'm going to pull up what they asked me. They asked me like, is this a good time to get in? I've checked out like during May, if I jump back in all out, how is that going to go for me? And I was like, you know what, actually if you're just coming in just for all out, you're probably going to have a pretty decent time versus someone like watch that go home show and is like caught up with everything because by itself, you'd be like, Oh, okay. Because this was not a way to build up your challenger. It was a great match, not the way to build up the challenger.
2: Yeah, I don't think Tony's philosophy is necessarily wrong. Like, I I like the idea of, you know, don't don't give away the wrestling for free right before people were supposed to pay for it. Instead, we want to tease out these stories and really hammer home what they're about uh, and then make you want to see the match. That makes sense to me. I just think the execution of how those stories were advanced on this episode didn't go particularly well except maybe the you know the few segments we're talking up here top talking about here up top
1: that's also interesting though because they gave away hardy versus sammy on tv last week they gave away what i thought was a pay-per-view match and the best friends versus santana and ortiz to start the show
2: (laughs) yeah opening the show yeah
1: yeah and it and it like didn't feel like a blow-off match but then they're clearly going to be in the in the battle royale and not uh you know working on the pay-per-view so I'm just, yeah, but
2: but they were they were squared up with each other. And so it seems like that's yeah. going moving forward with those two teams.
1: Yeah, it's just like I think what you said earlier, Nate, was right, in that it's like Tony's thinking, okay, I gotta do the stories on this episode. And he just kind of shoehorned what he had going on into like his idea of what advancing the story is for the pay-per-view, rather than kind of like organically uh letting this play out up and, and lead up to the pay-per-view. I know Mike and I talked a lot about on light about the fact that it's like, or maybe this was in the Discord, but it feels like it almost jumped up on them that this pay per view was coming up, and all the things kind of happened in the last two three weeks, um rather than you know I mean they've got three months to to build pay per views, so
2: well they they did build one feud for the pay per view across all three months. They're just going to put it on the pre show. <laughs> uh,
1: all right, I have to pick an elite pick, and uh, you guys have picked the two things that were good on the show i
4: don't know the
1: opener wasn't bad yeah i was gonna say it's just it kind of ended like i was kind of bummed of like how it played out at the end but yeah the first little bit of the like the first two thirds probably of the opener i thought were really good and it was like okay we're just doing the pay-per-view match here well that's fine and then they kind of got off of that toward the end uh and you had kind of the uh the bullshit finish but everybody was working hard and that was a fun match and that was yes probably the third best thing on the show, but there's not a whole lot I can say about it. So
2: yeah, I took some sick bumps. That's that's all.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the delete section. So uh, I guess we could kind of sink our teeth in a little more here, but Nate, what was your least favorite thing on the show?
2: Uh, so yeah, pretty much didn't like most of the rest of the show, um, but I'll shout out because this is, you know, the sequel to my deletion from last week, the main event with, John Moxley beating up the lawyer uh in just a strictly comedy segment basically that turned into a beatdown uh and you know something more direct with MJF in particular but you know I the was too long it shouldn't have been in the main event segment I know he's your champion but uh you know it was a joke match from the beginning against a joke opponent um didn't make any sense to me to put it there and yeah by you know by that by that time of the show I was pretty much checked out anyway so yeah, uh, you know, haven't liked the MJF angle from the beginning. They did one cute little thing last week, um, but still, you know, it's a bunch of fake wrestling contract shit uh, and comedy. The, you know, I said this feud was going to be fine in retrospect if Moxley just beats him with the pay-per-view and that's it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, the only thing at all interesting about it to me was, you know, just a little bit more teasing of Wardlow being a featured player because, yeah, I'm, I'm just not – I'm kind of out on MJF as a top-line guy now uh, and considerably more interested in if Wardlow can get there if they break him out of there successfully.
3: Yeah, I, I'm going to propose something for you all that it is going to take – this is an, uh, in Mike Universe what I have done. I'm sorry to go on the Fan Booker side of the scale right here, but this is thing. Wouldn't it have been like the thing It's like, hey, actually – we found a clause to change this out of here. You're not facing Mark Sterling. And then we hear this is war. And then you just do that, like the, that whole beat down part and have that as the match. You go and you go dark with like the idea of John Mosley is now beat down bloody. And then you do like a promo maybe at the end of the show, like him claiming vengeance and like that, adding the heat to the feud versus a, I, I mean, like it was a comedy thing that like existed, but I feel like that, if you're already going to have Wardlow there and Wardlow is someone that is already a known quantity and having the idea that Wardlow does like the beat down of him before the show, why not make that into the match itself? Why not be like that? The thing to give this some heat. It's like, Oh yeah, I found my way out of this loophole. You're actually facing Wardlow instead of my lawyer.
2: Well, I I definitely like the idea better of having Wardlow just like feature in the match instead I, you know, if they put a loophole on top of a loophole, I would have been like, okay, now this is fucking doubly stupid because I didn't like the loophole in the first place. But yeah, I mean, really the stuff with Wardlow was the best part of the MJF and Cody build. Like, you know, oh, he whipped them, did the one whip that was twice as hard as the rest. And then the cage match obviously was superb. Um, So yeah, that, you know, just would have been better if, if Wardlow had been more involved instead of just being, you know, the, the heater for the (laughs) geek lawyer.
1: It's sick that MJF is going to be the genetti of this pairing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you could literally have just rung the bell for the Mark Sterling versus Moxley match. And then Wardlow came in and started beating the shit out of Moxley. Yes.
2: Oh, it's a disqualification. He lost. Oh, so no. <laughs> like, What the fuck does Mark Sterling care? <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. You could have just done that. Yeah,
2: that, that would have been better right there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so I'm kinda I'm kind of mixing uh Mike's idea with, with my own and that's I'm okay with it. Let's because with it's that. it's like yes, I was kinda checked out, but you look up and it's like, oh, four or five minutes have passed. It's like, oh, here's Mox just like chasing him around the ring, like into the you know, into the barricade <laughs> or whatever. It's like what the fuck are we doing here? That's that's like I don't know. Well, I'll talk about it when it's when it's my turn. But
3: uh Mike, what was your pick, bud? What would you have deleted from this show? Oh man, what wouldn't have I deleted from this show? Uh, okay, uh, the whole like the the whole thing of like the whole brawl that went on forever with ev- with all the geeks in there with everyone else who was in the uh, battle royal. I guess now best friends and Santana and Ortiz and Jake Hager are part of this battle royal. But like y- you started off with like a Taz promo that was pretty decent, and then you started having people come out and just felt like a redux of last week. I mean we did get the really great line of Eddie Kingston talking about wanting to take uh take Ricky Starks out on a date and that's and that's content I would love to see I would love to see the two of them go get a nice seafood dinner you know out on the pier in Jacksonville I think that 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 I really have hope for those kids
2: that was but, that was like borderline problematic right
3: it, it I I it was a yikes for me yeah
2: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, it was a little like mm, just maybe stay away yeah
3: yeah yeah but it, it's one of those things that like yeah like Eddie in there and that's what you have Eddie doing. And that's a frustrating thing. And then you had everyone else come in and just for like 10 minutes, just like everyone's brawling around the ring. You, you had Austin Gunn in there. You had, you had like, just like you D three Ryzen, you did a Fabu Andre. So I was happy about Fabu Andre to be fair. So it's just something that like, when that like happens, like, okay, one of these people are going to be the next number one contender for the AEW world title. And I don't care about any of them. Like the, this, like made this one, like made like Brian cage. And, uh, and uh, uh, Lance Archer looked terrible because like there was like squawking and then they just were just throwing around people for 10 minutes. There was like no purpose.
2: Yeah, I didn't, you know, I I didn't mind the execution of the brawl itself. I do kind of, you know, they did a brawl before the tag team battle royal, right, that they did last time. And you do it twice in a row and, and it just feels like, you know, again, kind of perfunctory. It's like kind of booked by numbers. It's like, well, we have a battle royal. Let's have everybody in the battle royal get into a big brawl. It's like, a, I don't know. seems kind of obvious. Um, so, you know, the the execution of it itself was fine as far as the guys, you know, running into each other and throwing punches and shit. I just, when, when Jake gets on the mic, I kind of like tense up and I'm like, oh, it's like good chance it's going to be a train wreck now. Because the positive of having guys that are free to just promo uh, and write their own shit and come up with whatever they're going to come up with is like, you know, you get much better at promos. But when you have three promo guys out there and one of them is Jake and uh, he can't really promo anymore and he doesn't make sense a lot of the time and he's going to interrupt the other two people a lot. I, I, you know, it's the same thing with the Arn Anderson segment. It's like, okay, we have to rely on Arn to keep him on track because he might just start rambling about whatever the fuck. Uh, and that just kind of takes me out of it. So, you know, if it was just Eddie and Taz in there and then, uh, you know, Lance Archer doesn't have Jake the Snake and he comes out and kills somebody, I think that's a better segment.
1: Okay. But we did get to hear Jake say that he was not going to let uh, Brian Cage bust a nut. So yeah.
2: he's also weirdly sexual all the time. I just have no use. He doesn't add anything to the act t- to me.
1: I, I did like Taz saying, uh, Jake Roberts, who did he ever beat? Which is just <laughs> like, I fucking love that when a wrestler says that about another wrestler. <laughs> Taz is not wrong. Uh, no, I mean, I'm sure it was like a uh, a rib, you know, between the two of them. of uh, Something they've discussed, but.
3: It's just something that like, how are we supposed to like, and this has been something about almost all their battle royals. Like how are we supposed to really come in here thinking that anyone winning this battle Royal is instantly going to be doing anything other than lose to either Moxley or NJF? Like there's like, there was the idea about when cage came in and looked like an absolute monster in the ladder match and won the ladder match. He felt like he could be something. I like, look at this and maybe if this is me hoping that someone else comes in here because I sat here and watched this and I was like, Oh, one of these people are going to win okay and like that's not how you want like this kind of thing to be built up as
2: i do it is it is a colorful collection of of guys like all you know i guess this is like the upper mid card is this group of people and there are there's a lot of different characters there and i'm pretty interested in most of the characters there so i guess that's to their benefit like you can see how they could book a really good battle royal with these people uh if if they if they do um but yeah, just that, you know, it was kind of weighed down by, by Jake and by this just seemingly perfunctory thing like, oh, we have to do a brawl now. So it's going to be a brawl. I, you know, it's that thing again, where it's like, I complained about how a lot of the segments on the show are like, from an objective perspective, you stand back and it's like, yes, that's the thing they needed to do for the story here. And it's like, yeah, it's technically fine. It's technically serves its purpose for the story and per, for pro wrestling. I just want some like fire there. I want something that gets me more fired up about it. And, and it doesn't seem, uh, you know, a little, more. A li- it seems a little more natural and a little less mechanical.
1: Yeah. Because there's really no care given here. I mean, you can kind of do this thing in, in one of two ways. One, you just focus on the Brian cage, Ricky Starks, Lance Archer thing and everybody else is kind of window dressing for their issue, and one of them wins the Battle Royal. And that's like, that works, that's fine. Or you can also do this thing where there's lots of different stories intersecting, but then you have to give real close attention to each of those stories so that we can zoom in on one little thing during the Battle Royal, and we see, okay, you know, for, exa- for example, the Best Friends and Santana and Ortiz thing, but that just kind of feels like an afterthought at this point. So I just feel like they could have gone one of two ways with this, but instead they try to do a mix up of both and it just muddies the water for everything that's going on. And I'll just, I'll lead that right in to my delete, uh, which is just the build to all out overall. I mean, coming out of this show, let's see, look at the card. I'm not more excited. Well, I said it up top. Hangman Page and Omega versus FTR. They probably built my anticipation for that match on this show. But nothing else, not one other match am I more excited about than I was coming into the show. They usually, in the past, I feel like they've done a much better job of it. Now, sometimes they only focus on one or two uh, feuds, but they will really escalate it in that go-home show to get you like, or sometimes they'll do the the biggest escalation in the show right before the go-home show. And so it does kind of like, uh, slide into the pay-per-view but still i don't think any of these feuds reached that level you know i'm trying to think back to some of the ones that i've like been really hyped up for uh you know cody and jericho there's nothing on this show that's like as exciting like i'm at looking forward to seeing as much as as that match. well
2: i if i remember correctly i think they kind of fumbled the go home show for that one didn't that was that the contract signing they did on the last show before the pay-per-view
3: no the the one before i think right yeah they did a contract signing the night the day before because this was the charlotte show i was at where they had cody call him a dick and then they had the big inner circle and elite brawl which had people going off the tunnels and that was the final thing was like everyone brawling and we're out of time we'll see you on saturday
1: yeah they did fuck that one up in like the week before the go home show yeah it was bad uh you know but there's I mean, frankly, maybe there's not a match that they've just like nailed point to point to point to point to getting you to the pay-per-view. But in this one, it's just like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a big pay-per-view to me. I- I'm not like really fired up to watch this show on Saturday night. I just think it- they did a poor job building a uh, good matches that they have. I just they're not built very well.
3: It- and it's something that when you have four shows like this a year and when this is like the spiritual second anniversary for whatever you want to call that this like the whole all Elite wrestling going back to all-in like this is the second anniversary show in a lot of ways and shouldn't this like feel bigger shouldn't this feel like it's a like a big show because like looking into like full gear revolution everything felt like it was hitting a major stride at that point and even double or nothing like even like i think more fondly back to how they built up um, moxley and Brody lee as the world title match for a double or nothing and then the stadium stampede was built up incredibly well going to that and now I'm like left with going like well Wardlow did look really cool beating up John Moxley and that's it
2: yeah I, I, you know um, I think a lot of it is that we've kind of seen uh, a lot of this stuff we've kind of seen already like Jericho and Orange Cassidy we've seen twice already Hardy and Sammy we've seen uh, like have a gimmick match already um Honestly, the best kind of, I think the best feud as far as feeling that there's like, real heat between them, there's a real personal issue there. There's like real fire Um about these guys wanting to kill each other is, is Darby and Ricky Sarks and they're in the battle royal.
1: Yeah, that match should be on this show. I, I'm just going to say it, folks. Their, their, their star making machine is broken. They're not <laughs> making stars. No, but uh, seriously, like, who are the uh, Brody Lee? They made a star. I thought out of Brody Lee and then they buried him in an eight man tag.
2: Well, that, no, that, that's fine. That, that, that is, that is, that's not any sort of indictment on having gotten Brody Lee over. Like that's, it's a holdover match. Cause he's not going to be the focus for this pay-per-view cycle. Cause he just won the belt. That's fine. And
3: yeah, but- you have the idea that it's all of Cody's friends and Scorpio sky that are out for vengeance. So like for like a lower card match on the show when he's not in the spotlight, that's like the one thing I could say is not like an absolute diamond. I get that. I still think it's weird to follow up Brody Lee with nothing, but you also did a title change two weeks before the pay-per-view. So you didn't have a chance to get a promote some sort of uh, program going.
1: But, but let's look at this. Mike and I were talking about this the other day. John Moxley is your number one baby face. Who's your number two baby face? Orange Cassidy. Who's your number three baby face?
2: Oh, should, it, should we count Cody or, or just people on this card?
1: No, I get you can count Cody.
2: Okay, Cody. Wait, well, is Cody number two
1: or number three? Three. Cody's. You think Cody's below Orange Cassidy? Yeah, but like after that, there's not a singles guy who you would expect to like run up in who would have like made sense in a title match on this show,
2: like against Brody. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, that's why. I th- that's because they they haven't built anybody yet because he just won the belt. Yeah, that's why I think the match is fine.
1: But my point is, even if they don't have the match here, they haven't built the people up. They haven't made the guys right. to headline these shows.
2: Again, they're they're they haven't done it yet, but the Scorpio Sky push is coming. I swear to God. I swear <laughs> to God, that's that's why he's in the match is to start that.
1: But when you think about it, it's also true on the heel side. It's like Chris Jericho, MJF, Brody Lee,
3: Cliff. Sammy. Sammy's probably four.
2: Sammy Sammy's a hot heel. FDR only just became. FDR doesn't feel hot, but the tag, tag. You know, the tag, the tag team matches, pretty well no. built.
1: No, that's good. That's good. I mean, your next guys are like Lance Archer and Brian Cage, I guess, but they've also already lost title matches. I just think when you start to look at it, you start to realize that like they haven't really built enough guys at this point. And I know there's like a COVID mm-hmm. issue, I'm sure, but I just think there was a time when it felt like there was more hot acts in this company that right now i feel like it's pretty cold beyond the very top of the car i
2: i think these builds are, are kind of cold i don't think many of the guys are cold i think most of the guys are like one week away from being hot i don't know like it's it, and i think that's kind of it's it's something that i was uh hyped about this promotion is that they wouldn't just put every single person on every single episode of tv we would have to see them constantly which necessitates that people just get cycled out, and they're not going to be, you know, a featured act on every pay per view. So, like, you know, Lance Archer he, uh, has destroyed a bunch of guys, won a turn or you know, got second place in a tournament, lost one title match, uh, and then has continued to destroy a bunch of guys. So I, you know, I don't think it's not a matter of him not being made or not being protected. It's just a matter of we don't have time to feature everybody right now. So he's got to do something else for a little bit and then we'll heat him back up when we want to.
1: That's fine. If your top, uh, your top feuds are hot, but there's art. So it's just like, right.
2: And yeah, and that's a, that's a matter of, you know, execution and just like, you know, missing the boat on the whole concept of the MJF storyline and stuff. That's, yeah, you know, we, that was, that was that mistake. And it affected the whole pay-per-view cycle here. And, uh, you know, you just got to sort of take them as they come.
1: Well, you know what is hot? Summertime. And you know what summertime means? Winning season at MyBookie. Uh, here's the big thing that we have for our listeners. New customers receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000. So if you haven't deposited at MyBookie before, if you deposit $100, you'll get a free 100 bucks. You deposit $1,000, bucks, you will get a free 1000 bucks. You can use that to bet on you know, everything. There's lots of stuff going on right now. NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. There's Major League Baseball. There's UFC. Uh, there's WWE. If you're uh, an insane person, I saw some XFL props. So there's lots of stuff you can do. I mean, there's, I don't have a good of one as Kendra Lust uh, showing up in AEW. Uh, but I think, you know, the big thing that's going on right now is the NBA playoffs. So. Sure. Nate, have you continued your your Raptors fandom uh from last year?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> they won I the don't... title and you're done. No, <laughs> well no, there's no point to being a fan, you know, for the full regular season or anything like that. You check in for the playoffs. What well, is the playoffs, you... buddy? Okay, yeah, but okay, but it's I mean it's fake playoffs. Um And then, you know, you find the you find the team that's going to win that has the best story. And then you watch the finals. And again, you get you get 90 percent of the satisfaction that people have watched the Raptors be a losing team for a decade uh, would get.
1: Well, a good way to get satisfaction and get excitement uh, in any from any team is to bet, baby. That's how you uh, get some buy in on anything. So the Raptors still coming in. uh, Unfortunately, the second longest odds, plus twenty five hundred to win uh, to win the championship. Uh, Mike, who you got winning this championship? NBA.
3: I mean, the Mavericks are already out, so yeah. I'm kind of heartbroken there. I the Raptors are looking okay. Like they're I, down 0-2, buddy. <laughs> I I have faith in the Raptors. Like uh, to be honest, I when when the Mavericks lost, I kind of was a little bit out. I mean, the Lakers are a team that like you know, it's it's such a powerful team now. Now you have the second year of LeBron that I could see that happening. So maybe oh, what what are the odds for the Lakers winning the, the title right now?
1: Lakers are the favorite, plus two forty. Okay. Uh, I mean, for the, that's a, the Lakers.
3: I I have one that I just pulled up that I think that we could have some fun with. This one is a wrestling bet. Okay. okay. Brock Lesnar's next contract. Oh. Hmm. So we have six options here and six varied varied options. Of course, WWE is a, is a leader at plus one twenty five. UFC at plus two fifty, AEW at plus three fifty, Bellator at plus five hundred, New Japan Pro Wrestling at plus six fifty, or bare knuckle fighting for plus eight hundred.
2: Who do you got Bare there? knuckle fighting, of course, the home of Paige Van Zant. Yes, the home the of, t- of Paige Tony, Van Zant. Tony missed the boat on. Where were you at on that one, Tony? Uh well, I mean, I, you know, the the favorite being WWE. That makes sense. Um I think uh I am kind of most interested in the idea of Brock Lesnar showing up on AEW TV with no contract and for no, no deal just as a way to say to WWE, man, you better pull up the Brinks truck right now. Uh, Cause I think that would be a very fun sort of thing for AEW to do as a promotional tactic. Um, but I'm, I think the safe bet is WWE. I'm going to stick with them.
1: Yeah. You can mark off new Japan. That's not
3: happening. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's the sucker bet right there.
1: Yeah. But uh, I, I might my... fun though. Yeah, my bet. I know he said today he doesn't want to fight. My bet's Bellator. I think they're going to pony
3: up. Plus 500. Okay. That's where I'm laying my money. You're going for a long shot. They wouldn't
2: shell out for Paige Van Zant either.
3: Well, they're going to shell out for Brock Lesnar. So these are the kinds of bets you could do at mybookie.ag using promo code elite. So there's a lot of stuff out there. They have Heisman Trophy odds. I mean, NCAA season is about to kick off. Of course, uh, there's a lot of...
0: dot official.com slash video lock. And we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network.
3: What's so special about hero breads? soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas. These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at hero.co. You could bet on the Heisman trophy winner right now. Uh, Bo Nix is plus two thousand. That's that's a fun one right there. Uh, Darry King, twelve hundred, and Trevor Lawrence is leading at plus two hundred. So th- there's all kinds of things you could bet on at mybookie.ag.
1: Yep, just uh, you hit Elite as your promo code. It'll double your first deposit. Again, if you're a new player, you get up to uh, one thousand dollars doubled in your deposit. Uh, so do that. Your winning season begins today only at mybookie.
2: Uh, I do. Uh, uh, I just. I just want to, uh, for a brief moment, uh, imagine the beautiful discourse we would get if Brock Lesnar signed a New Japan Pro Wrestling and started throwing Naito around. <laughs> full full on Lesnarism uh, discourse into <laughs> <entered> the New <laughs> Japan sphere would be beautiful.
3: That's what I'm it, rooting for. Suplex City on Naito.
2: Just right, and Naito taking every single one on the crown of his head.
3: <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. And then Hiromu's trying to come in there because Hiromu's been like the one person who's been saving Naito. He gets thrown around. Brock,
1: Brock does like some shitty Asian <laughs> person like
2: uh of a um, you know thing yeah does really? like, the, like the, the racist Naito pose to him <laughs> yeah. but, but not not understanding that it's uh you know he's reclaimed it or whatever but like, sincerely oh I didn't yeah. know that was your thing I was just being racist <laughs> at you
3: I mean that's the likelihood uh, I'm thinking about throwing some money on Derek King winning the Heisman Trophy that's plus two hundred plus twelve hundred go Kings right there like the best Heisman candidate Miami's had in years.
1: I'll tell you what what I'm betting on, or what I'm mad that I bet against. AEW <laughs> not breaking a million. I think I said the rest of this year.
3: Yeah, you did. And looking at the ratings this week, Ab, I was the one person with faith, and I'm the one person that, as a man of the cloth, a man of the faith, I'm being rewarded.
2: Well, I I got what were the bets that we got backwards because they didn't they didn't average it this week. No, but no. I'm just
1: saying, like, what? so what we're hearing, what it looks like, is that USA is interested in pulling ah. uh, NXT off of Wednesdays, and moving them to Tuesdays. That makes sense. We see they did 849,000 uh, with nobody going up against them. AEW, with no competition, all the way up to 928,000. So, I mean, I think you can foresee that you know, Tony was also selling today that there's going to be a lot of surprises on the next episode of Dynamite. Mm. So, uh, he's unfortunately as as nate i can't remember if you tweeted this or if you said it in uh, a chat but unfortunately they did a lot of viewers for a very bad show <laughs>
2: they yeah that, really. was in the chat i think if you have your uh your unopposed week and it's your go home show uh you should do a good show instead of a bad show i do okay if if nxt moves off of wednesdays yeah uh, okay so the wednesday night wars are over uh what I have two questions. What happens to the Wednesday Night Wars podcast? And what do we call the new Tuesday Night Wars? The Tuesday Night Tussles. I think Tuesday what, Night. What Tussles? are they going up against?
3: Uh, Impact, Impact baby.
2: Oh, Impact was
3: massively down this week because of NXT, like
2: the the S plus class show. <laughs> Impact. It's... Did I read that they did
1: like a hundred and seventy thousand or something like that?
2: Well, no, that's what they usually do. They lost seventy thousand because they were up against NXT. Oh brutal
3: yeah so it, it it's going to be interesting it's something that i know dave meltzer on the observer was like oh no usa wants to go against tnt and i was like that sounds like he was just being oddly confrontational about that because usa probably like they know the kind of deal they have now and they know like what's going on with they're paying for nxt they got their asses handed to them for for a full year about this the, the idea of okay, you maybe like stopped like early momentum, but if this is AEW's back to, this was their best uh, in the sub demos. This was their best at men 18 to 49 since 2019. And then like the best, tied at the best like uh, demo share as well. And then like just the best overall viewership since the first week of COVID. And it's something that it's like, if you really wanted this award, if you're the network programmer and you want to stick having a program that was doing about like 600,000 against this, or if you want to have something that's going like 850 and has potential to grow, what are you going to take? If you're the one that's programming the the, the station, you're going to move this, the show. So it, it just makes sense.
2: Well, it's funny that there's, there's such a significant difference in what is probably fundamentally a difference of some, you know, some number of hundreds of th- hundreds of thousands of people that watch one show live and watch the other show on DVR. Because the NXT rating went up when they got away from AEW. Uh, and we know that AEW you know, would, would do numbers into the million uh, range when you factor in DVR viewing. So it's like you're just letting those viewers watch both shows live instead of watching one on tape delay. And that makes like a huge difference just because they might actually see the ads that it's all about. So it's kind of a weird function of how television works.
3: I was gonna say I'm totally with you on that, Nate. It makes more sense, and it seems like it's something that we've seen. What happens? We've seen that NXT failed on Wednesday, and now they, for that program, like they want to go move to Tuesday and have one hour Iron Man matches that end in a draw. Go right ahead, it, and if people want to watch that, then go right ahead. But it just makes does not make sense for them to continue with that logic, seeing its success elsewhere.
1: Really looking forward to the Jericho promo when NXT moves to Tuesday.
3: Oh, absolutely.
1: Going to be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. Mike. Do you want to talk about your conversion model here, or when we talk about all out
3: at this? Is this, is the this bottom?
2: converting to the Church of the Demo God? Is that the conversion it, model?
3: Yes. I, I mean, it is. You, you know, you're buying your uh, you're buying graces. You know, you, you're doing your tithing into this. So, I mean, yeah, I guess as this, this does. I can talk about this here. So, last time when a double or nothing happened, I said that I'm developing something to kind of see if there's some sort of project- projection or something that I could tell where does like the last month's lead up of TV result in like an accurate thing of telling you how many people that will buy the pay-per-view. So I developed a, th- a number that's basically saying like, okay, five week average. And then I compare it to the pay-per-view buys and we see how many people that watched the show of the last month bought the pay-per-view and with how well double or nothing 2020 did again, that was an insane pay-per-view that did, uh, it was their, their best buy rate they had so far at 115 to 120,000 buys. It jumped it up, and for Double or Nothing, I was massively under with just just under 80,000 projected buys. This time, I have a lot more realistic one. I'm seeing about 109,000 buys, which would be more in line with what they're doing. So it's, that's just something that I've been keeping track of, and I'll keep track as long as we're doing the show and as long as AEW is in existence, I'm going to keep track of this until I can definitively say my idea is bullshit or if it's something that I can prove in fact.
1: Mike, we're going to do this show forever, buddy. Okay, that's cool.
3: Just till all
1: three of us die.
3: Simultaneously. I... <laughs> Holding hands Good. at the same time, we're all going to die at the same moment. <laughs>
1: yes. All right, well, let's get into the stuff we haven't talked about from Dynamite uh, on Wednesday night. The show opened, as we mentioned, by Santana Ortiz defeating the best friends. Santana pinned Trent with the Street Sweeper after... He hit Trent with a baton in the back. Yeah, it, this was a
2: yeah, yeah weird it finish.
1: Just was what it was.
2: It was good, you know. But but it it was good. But <laughs> why why did it happen? I don't know. <laughs> like that was the whole show. Yeah, well, except not good. But just why did it happen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like you know, Chuck Chuck took a bump on sixty chairs. Yeah, and the continues. Nuts. I don't know. Yeah, that for was absolutely nuts. Nothing. Yeah.
3: I mean, we got deathmatch, Dustin. For whatever reason, Chuck
2: this Taylor is energy.
1: Yeah, I don't. Well, not gonna do that rant here. I'll just save it for when I'm lying alone in bed at night.
2: MJF, Thanks. Yeah, Back- Sarah, Sarah, sleeping in the other room, buddy.
1: <laughs> well, maybe soon. She she may have gotten exposed to COVID at work today, so Ooh. we have to we may have to sleep in uh, different prayers houses up. for a while. Yeah, prayers up for a real one. MJF is backstage with Wardlow uh, he says this can only end with MJF becoming the AW world champion Lee Johnson interrupts him to say that Mark Sterling has locked himself in their locker room this is what this should have been my elite pick I fucked up MJF knocks on the door Sterling says he has a way out but Wardlow just kicks in the door and drags him out
2: and then Mark Sterling goes oh hi Wardlow <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was the best part of this whole MJF storyline kicking the door in and Mark is like oh hey it's my buddy Wardlow <laughs>
3: Mark Sterling, for as much as we like we buried it, he's been great at playing this character. It's just a shame this character should not be existing.
2: Right. Like, and Mark- now it's like you got a talented guy and you've cast you know, he's stuck in this role now. Are, uh, you know, can you use him in the future? I don't know. It kind of strains credulity to be like, oh yeah, I remember that lawyer. Uh, well he's a wrestler now.
3: <laughs> so it's like Well, well Joseph huh. Park. Joseph Park was a lawyer that was a wrestler. Oh Christ.
1: Well, I I gotta say, friend of the show, Kath Barbadoro said on Twitter that she was watching this and said that like Anytime you see something like this, you can't help but think how much better it would be if it was Stokely Hathaway.
2: And I uh, hard agree with that. If it was if it was Stokely managing Mark Sterling as the wrestler, sure.
3: <laughs> and Wardlow's still there. Oh, hi, Wardlow. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's my buddy Wardlow. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey.
3: Hey, bud, how's it going? Oh, okay.
1: MJF says, you know, all of everyone to be was a world champion. I know you're scared, but there's nothing scarier than when you get in the way of my goals. Uh, the Young Bucks and Jurassic Express defeated Private Party and SCU. Matt, I do Kennedy. kind of.
2: I'm, that that is kind of a good line. I like that where he's like, "Yeah, you're scared of him. Well, it's scarier to be in the way of me and my ambition." That's pretty good He'll promo stuff. I want you know, I want to throw him a bone because we've been <laughs> pretty rough. That's a good line. Okay, go on,
1: Nate. Trying to avoid more death threats. Um, I
2: missed. I look. I went look for the death threat. I
1: couldn't find it. Well. He might have deleted it. I don't
2: know. Okay.
1: Um, the Young was Bucks. It MJF tri- <laughs> <himself>? <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I'm gonna try this one more time. Young Bucks and Jurassic Express defeated Private Party of SCU. Matt Pinmark. Oh, I'm Quinn. sorry. Were
2: you waiting on me? My bad. <laughs> I didn't mean to.
1: <laughs> Matt Pinmark went after the BT trigger. <laughs> uh, this match, the 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 idea was whoever won would face each other at the pay-per-view. So we'll get the Young Bucks versus Jurassic Express on All Out, which should be fun.
2: Uh, Yeah, my favorite part of this match was uh, they talked on BTE about they quizzed Jurassic Express on how to work a tag match and how the whole thing should be, uh, you know, the rest of the teammates taking the heat leading up to the big Luchasaurus hot tag, and that's exactly what they did here. And it was like, oh, great. They (laughs) told us exactly what they're going to do, and then they did it, and it worked
3: that this was fun but it's also the thing about this pay-per-view that like why is this happening <laughs> and like that's like that the hard thing about this show is like there are things that like i enjoy but it's overall it's still in this wrapper that it's just very frustrating like i thought this was i thought private party and i feel like i say this once every three months i feel like that private party looked really good in this and maybe private party is now getting good so it was a fun match
2: hey Kager, are you ready to talk now
1: oh backstage. you were taking a you taking a while. Couldn't find that mute button, bud. Uh he's backstage. He sits down next to Orange Cassidy. He says, "Jericho, once you ringside for his match tonight, it'd be smart to be there." And uh
2: Orange digs in his Jan Sport. Um they they tried to do cover for this because they you're like, "Oh, we're not going to have invisible cameras backstage." But they wanted to show this locker room meeting. So they did cover for it by having JR I think say Jake Hager has his own camera crew backstage just to set this up, and then Jr. like kept bringing it up as though it was going to pay off in some way later. Like, <laughs> hey, Jake Hager's got a camera crew tonight. Who knows what that's about? It's like, no, Jr. it's not real, man.
1: That's like
2: Tony- I, I, Jr. I, I've kind of turned the corner on Jr. and kind of enjoy him now, but I think he, this was not his best night.
1: This a bad night for you to say that, actually, Nate. Uh, showed his ass a little in the in the women's match. Tully Blanchard is backstage with FTR. Tully, God, he shat the fucking bed on this part of his
3: promo. Yeah, it, like that was a shame because Tully's been a consistent promo. Like even with like things I'm not necessarily caring about, Tully's always been good. But this was not it. Like this whole no. like this was like a whole like quarter hour of like of like three good lines and an awkwardness.
1: He's just like, this is the thing, you know, where they don't write the promos. But for some of these guys, like. Uh, they need to think about it more, I guess, because he had this idea where he's like, when I stood between you and said, you have to win the gauntlet to get the match. You did it. And it's like, okay, but w- what about the, when you, yeah, he just, he lost the plot in the middle of this promo.
2: I, I think, yeah, I kind of have trust in the guys to come up with their own shit, but they need to do more. this quality control and touching base with everybody else about what they're going to talk about. The Practice. same thing happened. Yes. The same thing happened. In the next segment where it's like, okay, Hangman or Omega does this promo, and then FTR comes out, and they're they're kind of talking past each other. They're not really exactly linking up on what's being said in the exchange for one person to the other.
1: Yeah, Cash says, this is the most important match of our career. Our legacy is dead if we don't win. Uh, bad news. FTR does not have a legacy <laughs> at this point. Uh, Dak says, Paige, as much as I like you, I like being champions more. Then we've got uh, Kenny Omega coming out to the ring. With Tony Schiavone being there. He says, A very lonely hangman page was taken by FTR and fooled. These things happen. We move on. And so FTR is just like every other team we've faced. We will beat them. Uh, Which I thought this was good, like a good way for Kenny to kind of put a bow on that little part of the story. FTR and Tully walk out. Uh, Dax says, You and Adam have had a great run. I'm impressed with it. We've got no problem with you, Kenny, which hold on a fucking second. Like two weeks ago, the whole thing was that like they were at each other's throats.
2: Yeah. With the beer thing. There was the beer thing, but then they squashed that and they were all getting along over gallons of milk backstage. And he says, we never had a problem with you. But then, but then FDR, uh, you know, took out the rock and roll express and that like, okay, your heels now. Yeah. You know, you're obviously on the bad side of the Bucks and all the good guys. Yeah, it's a little bit all over the place.
1: So he says, at All Out, we're looking forward to have a great athletic contest with you, which I hate. He says, so let's cheers to that, which is not a thing people say. And then he hands Kenny a chocolate milk. And uh, he says, we've known each other for three months, and you've already learned I can't turn down a chocolate. I thought this was funny, Mike. I'm going to disagree with you. I'm sorry. It's cringe. It's cringe i don't know i mean kenny is cringe so it's just like it works so it doubles up on the cringe it no, doesn't it cancel out
2: yeah it's kind of the right side of cringe for kenny i think i think it's oh. on the right side. i mean it, it is it is kind of cringe but i think it's on the right side of cringe
1: i i liked it i thought it was funny
2: if there were crowds the crowds would love it
1: oh yeah we would have gotten a whatever the full phrase
3: was we would have gotten a chant of that
2: <laughs> pint of chalk, pint <laughs> yeah. of chalk. exactly yeah. That might
3: be something that they have to be real careful about with Turner chanting pint of chalk. That (laughs) might sound a little bit too close to something, given how the sensors were working tonight or last night.
1: Well, next, right after that, Mike, I guess you already watched this. You already knew what was coming next. But he said, what I can't turn down is spending any more time than I need to with a couple of dickheads. So, you know, kind of similar. If your whole plan was to bamboozle me while I'm by myself, we might as well get it over with. This is also good. It's like, okay. Kenny understands what happens in pro wrestling. He's like, all right, just kick my ass if that's what you're going to do. Page walks out. Dax, this was the strongest part, I thought. uh, Dax's part here is like, hey, it's the great hero, Adam Page, the big star. Why don't you explain to Kenny who got in your head? Tell them who made you turn on your best friend so you wouldn't have to have a rematch with them at all out. It wasn't us. It wasn't anybody. It was you. I've known Adam Page his whole career and the whole time. He's been nothing more than an insecure little boy. So tell them how big a piece of shit you are. I think Kenny already knows.
2: I mean, kinda... it was it was FDR that got in his head, though. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. they're heels, right? So they're that's heels. right? Yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. I, I, you know, it was the heelish thing to say there. Yeah, no, he, but, but it is Ga- a lie. Max was good here,
1: um, but then this was like this kind of broke down, and then Kenny kind of awkwardly left. Hangman is just like is not doing a great job. I think I think he's not good at melodrama.
2: Um, it's it's an extremely tough role for a wrestler to play and be cool also <laughs> right yes, uh, yes I'm really in my feelings right now <laughs> yeah
1: yeah so I mean luckily we know the match is going to be good and we'll see kind of how they how they thread all this together I think but. yeah
2: I think it. It'll, I think we'll get a nice clean breaking point of the match where Hangman and Kenny will break off and Hangman will break off from FDR and then they can just start from him as a singles guy from scratch and, you know, try and recapture some of the badass Hold My Beard Cowboy stuff.
1: All right. Marvez, Alex Marvez was backstage with Chris Jericho. He asked him about the Mimosa Mayhem match. Jericho says, when's the last time you experienced something for the very first time? Well, this Saturday fans worldwide will get to experience the Mimosa Mayhem. The culmination of 14 weeks of Jericho versus Orange Cassidy. Talks about how he's helped make Orange Cassidy into a main event star. That's why he has to put a bullet in his head and send it back where he came from. I think this is funny. It's like, maybe it's also a little like inside baseball, but the idea that like, wait a fucking second, this guy's getting on my level. I've got to stuff him <laughs> out. Like, that's funny.
2: Like, I totally, when Jagger's in commentary, he's speaking, you know, inside terms, inside baseball, like 40% of the time, he's just unable not to, which is very amusing. So it totally fits for his character here.
1: He shifts over to Joey Janela. He says, you're a sacrifice tonight. Going to give you a little taste of what Orange Cassie is getting on Saturday. This led right into Chris Jericho defeating Joey Janela with the walls of Jericho. Uh, after the match, Jericho continues to beat up Janela. Joey bleeds. Uh, Orange, I thought kind of slowly intervenes. It so was a little, didn't take him, or it took him a little long to get out there. Uh, but Hager and Jericho get the advantage. Sonny Kiss comes out to help, which you love to see. Hager uh, wasn't a brain buster. Spine busters, uh, Sonny. And uh, that gives Orange a chance to knock Hager out. So it's down to just Jericho and Orange. Orange gives him a DDT. He's about to go with the Superman punch, but Hager drags Jericho out. Orange puts on his sunglasses. He's got a little bit of the bubbly in the Jan sport. He pulls it out, but he pours it out and gives it the thumbs down.
2: Uh, uh, You didn't shout out the finish, which I thought was the highlight of this match. The... Uh, Janella going for the springboard move and Jericho catching him in a code breaker. I thought was a really, really good finish. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I almost forgot about this segment really, but this was solid. This, you know, I don't have any complaints about this really. Janela is where he is. Uh, he made Jericho's finisher look great. And at least we got some confirmation that the Janela Sonny kiss thing is not just like dead and buried by Sonny coming out here for the save.
3: Yeah, this was a perfectly effective thing. It, it was something that it did feel like that they kind of uh, put this one as like a back burner thing now that's already been announced and done. You've already done kind of a thing here. But like this was a decent thing where you're like, oh, uh, we still need to have something with uh, Jericho and Orange Cassie going to the pay-per-view. I'm just hoping we really get the Bellagio fountains with the Mimosa Mayhem match. Like that's like my big takeaway about this. Like if I don't see a single Mimosa fountain, I'm going to be pretty heartbroken.
1: We get a video recapping the Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara feud, setting up the broken rules match, which it turns out is just a last man standing match. And the stipulation is that Hardy leaves a W. If he loses, Sammy comes out and he's got his poster boards. He's doing his gimmick. They cut to Matt Hardy standing somewhere like up above kind of looking. And then like, that's it. Nothing actually happens between the two of them.
2: Yeah. This was like actually insane. I think <laughs> to put this here, Yeah, they like this has been the uh, up to this point, I think was the most heated rivalry. Cause Sammy just like took Matt Hardy's fucking head off with a giant chair. Uh, and then they had like <laughs> a, you know, stipulation match where he killed them through a table and a chair. Again, both guys were fucking bleeding all over the place in this feud. Uh, and then for the big go home angle, basically mostly during an ad break, and they already did the, you know, the spot that would make sense here, which is have Matt Hardy attacking during the ad break. They already did that, so they can't do it again. So instead, Matt Hardy stands very far away from him and holds up some signs. And that's yeah, <laughs> uh, don't don't get the thinking there. And I hate this stipulation. I hate, you know, they already do too many stipulations. But this stipulation, and then it, now it's a loser leaves town match for no reason. Uh, you know, hated when they did that with Dustin Rhodes. Uh, and hate it again here it's like you know at least make it thematically appropriate for it to be loser leaves town or like give us some indication that matt hardy's winding down i don't know
3: the thing i got from the segment was major that's the wall brother vibes going yes. on in picture in picture like what are we doing here <laughs> like i don't I feel like i've said that a lot but this was like the segment where like they're holding up signs like arguing with each other and it's like Y'all have busted each other open a yeah, lot. That, that's and a week this one
2: is, angle where it's like, oh, right. wow, they're really, Matt Hardy's making some jokes at Sammy's expense with signs.
3: <laughs> right, yeah. And you know how like, I think about like beat to beat and how the feud is? You already had like the heighted thing of, all right, uh, Matt Hardy known as being someone who, who did like all these TLC matches, lost at his match, and now we have this next match. Like that makes sense. Like it's not necessarily what I would do, but it makes sense where they're going with. Then you're holding up sh- signs and shout at each other in a blood feud. That's lame. Like, I just I disagree that it makes sense, Mike. Because uh, in their logic, it's like, okay, we've we've now gotten to a certain point, and if I lose, I'm leaving town. That's yeah, but that, that's, like it's fucking dumb because
1: because it Hardy... short
3: term contract from Matt Hardy. I mean, think about when he signed and what the world was like six months ago. <laughs> it would make sense to leave to do six months in AEW, and then go do a bunch of high money any dates after afterwards.
1: No, that's not my problem. I don't I don't give a fuck about whether Matt Hardy is actually leaving or staying or whatever. My deal is Matt Hardy's the babyface in this right. feud.
3: Mm-hmm. Easily.
1: Matt Hardy gets this tables match with Sammy Guevara, which he loses. Mm-hmm. Then the baby face says, or I'm sorry, then the heel says, I want to face you again, and you can pick the stipulation. And then if the babyface loses the match where he picks the stipulation, he has to leave the promotion. It's completely fucking backwards. It doesn't make any sense. It should have gone exactly the opposite way. Oh, oh no,
3: it, it should have. I was not thinking about that segment when I was saying like the character B. it's like I'm thinking about like week what you did the match, now you're doing yeah, the yeah, other yeah. match. But the way they set this up, no, you're entirely right with that. I agree with you. It's
1: just it's it's outrageous. Dumb. it makes no logical sense. It, it, um, it, it, but again, it's it's what we talked about earlier. This is a symptom of tony's ecw fantasy booking rather than actually having watched mid-south uh it's this is it doesn't make sense from like a old school type wrestling angle it's just it's very bizarre we call him
2: east alhambra tony from now on we should we should it's catching on it is more and more people
1: are saying that team taz comes out i'm not going to recap everything they said basically taz talking shit jake roberts comes out he talks some shit Eddie King, he says he's not going to let anybody bust a nut in the ring. Eddie Kingston comes out. He's talking shit. And uh, they all start brawling. And then Inner Circle comes out. Best Friends come out. uh, D3 comes out. Fabu Andre comes out. Everybody's out there. And we get a big brawl. Next up, there's a video recapping the Dark Order story, giving us the build to the eight-man tag for the pay-per-view. Then Thunder Rosa defeated Serena Deeb with the Blue Thunder Driver. I think we all uh, did our takes on that match.
2: Well, here's another take. Why wasn't the champion anywhere on the show?
1: Well, see, you don't actually want to
2: build the match. In any I mean, they did. Way. They did a good video last week with both of them. Yep. I don't know. Just give Sheeta that promo earlier in the show, or I don't know anything. Just. I mean, I don't know.
1: Why not just do a face off
2: after the match? You know,
1: like, just anything.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you you know, uh, I guess maybe I'm trying to think she has been ringside for a lot of the shows and visibly at ringside. So, like, do you want her there as the champion and then Rosa just comes over and gets in her face? I think maybe you just do. I think maybe you just want that.
1: Or you can just have Rosa do, like, a two-line promo after the match of, like, you know, Hikaru Shida coming for you next. Sheeta comes out and they face off and then you cut to Go the next commercial. thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, easy stuff. Moxley's backstage. He says it's championship week. Saturday night, MJF's getting his shot. He says nothing else really matters because at the end of the night, it's just going to be them in the ring. And uh, he says MJF has to be the meanest, most savage MJF he's ever been. Uh, he says we, we don't need MJF's dumb ass running around with the world title. I can't let that happen. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, he says, you're here, kiddo. Now it's trial by fire. I know you think you're hot stuff, but everything you've done up until now has been the easy part. And I thought that was a, a good
3: line and a good way to end this promo. Good Mox promo. It's a shame yeah. that, it, that it's immediately forgotten because of the main event.
1: I saw somebody on Twitter today say that MJF had
3: out promoed
2: I saw that Mox. also. <laughs>
3: <laughs> what the fuck have you been watching? <laughs> that that That's an insane take. That is, no. Uh, I
2: think it's just WWE brand. That's all I can think that it is. Yeah, apologies. Like... You know, semi-apologies, I guess, if you're a listener. But yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, uh, that's my thing. Oh, my whole thing is like this guy, like the death threats guy. It's like, wh- why do you need to agree with everything somebody says on the podcast you listen to? Like, why does it matter if the person disagrees with you about whether the wrestling angle is good? <laughs> like,
2: I just find that. Yeah. Well, I mean, sorry. everyone has their minds broken. We know this, but
1: yeah. Um. Okay. Tony Schiavone is with Big Swole. He announces Big Swole versus Britt Baker on the buy-in, the tooth and nail match. Uh, Big Swole says, Britt, you've been ducking and dodging me for the longest time. On Saturday, you won't have anywhere to hide. Every fucking pro, which I get it and it makes sense, but every promo three times, somebody's like, on Saturday night, on Saturday, the match we're going to have on Saturday. Uh, Pizza delivery person comes out, of course, uh, but it's Rebel. And it's a distraction to let Britt attacks full. And and she does that.
2: Uh, uh, you know, I, it was nice to see Britt up and moving. Um, yeah. I you know, I already complained last week preliminarily. I think Aaron, you said, oh, it could be on the buy-in. I was like, well, that would be insane to put it on the buy-in. <laughs> they would be out of their minds. They've been building it for three months. And it's actually closer to six months. Uh, but in fact, it's on the buy-in, <laughs> um, which I do not understand. Uh, I guess they're going to do a pre-taped match here. And it seems to me that the benefit of doing a pre-taped match is you could make sure it's good so that it should be main show worthy. <laughs> um, but, no, this long-running television storyline is going to be a pre-taped match on the pre-show to the actual pay-per-view. Uh, just, you know, they spend all this time on the Brit character, and she's, you know, like their first woman signed of the division, and she just can't break out from the pre-show because uh, they don't, you know, give anybody enough time.
1: Yeah, and uh, Chelsea in the Discord said that including All Out in six pay-per-views, Britt has been on the pre-show five times. So you're exactly right. All right, I want. right, uh, we're running short on time, but I do want to quickly play a game because I thought of it and uh, thought it'd be funny. So we'll see what happens. This is called the Tooth and Nail Game. If you don't know, Tooth and Nail Records, a uh, Christian label that had a bunch of emo bands that I liked when I was like 17. Uh, they still exist, though. That well, was,
2: was older than I thought. <laughs>
1: Oh, probably even older than that. Really. Sorry, um, so I, I I was looking at their uh, their lineup, and it struck me that many band names of this type are uh, indistinguishable from uh, na- restaurants in gentrified neighborhoods. So I googled Williamsburg restaurants. Okay. I've put together a list here, and I'm going to say the name, and you guys guess whether this is a band that was on or is on Tooth and Nail Records or it's a restaurant in Williamsburg. I'm ready. Yep. Let's okay. do it. First up, anchor and Braille.
3: Hmm. Band. Restaurant.
1: It's a band. One for Nate. Boom. Secret and whisper. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: I'm going to go Secret. band again. Band. Restaurant.
1: It's a band. Nate's up uh, Yes. Birds of a Feather.
3: Restaurant. That's actually a brewery in South Carolina. Uh, uh, That's a restaurant.
1: That's a restaurant in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. All
3: right. I'm on the board.
1: New York. Watashi Wa. (laughs)
2: Band. Hmm. I'll, uh, I'll keep it interesting restaurant.
1: That's a band. That's a tooth and nail oh, band. Okay. Okay. So, so
3: it's three to two.
1: Three to two. Uh, we'll do a couple more. Saint
3: Anselm. Can you spell L Anselm? A
2: S E L M. A- yes. I'm gonna go band. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's band.
1: It's a restaurant. Oh. Fuck. <laughs> 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 okay. Uh, Camper down Elm. And? Restaurant. It's a restaurant, folks. Oh, um, four to two, Nate. Yeah, I, well, I'm gonna do one more, even though it's you know there's really no way to, to break the tie. Uh this is probably my favorite one. Tiger wine.
3: Hmm. Band. band. It is indeed a tooth and nail band. Tiger wine. <sighs> Because it, it, as soon as you said that's my favorite one, I knew immediately it was a band. Because, how, what, what, when has Aaron Bentley gone and hung out in Williamsburg, Brooklyn?
1: Uh, actually, I've never heard the band Tiger Wine. I just thought it was, it had wine in it. So I thought maybe you would go for uh, no restaurant. Uh, our friend Thoros also gave me a couple of good uh, DC examples A Rake's Progress. Brutal and
2: would would never eat there
1: and brothers and sisters which i thought you guys might think oh, christian band um no that
3: yeah that makes sense
1: anyway uh that was about as fun as i anticipated it would be which is like (laughs) moderately (laughs) solid
3: game solid
2: game i am i am nostalgic for restaurants in general and also brooklyn restaurants now though
1: Okay, well there you go.
2: I would like a nice meal. Instead, I will be eating uh, you know, whatever <laughs> shit I cook up here.
1: Uh made a John Moxley defeated Mark Sterling with the paradigm shift. Afterwards, Wardlow attacked Mox. MJF came out with his walker, threw it aside, took off his neck brace, various accessories, attacked. He screams, You want violence, you got it.
2: Yeah, the the violence was the best part. So yeah, give us less of the less of the rest and more of the violence. Yeah.
1: All right, if you want to support the show, you can do so at patreon.com slash everything elite. Here's the big news. If you haven't hit plus 15 seconds yet, live Instant Reaction Show, Saturday night, immediately following All Out with a special guest joining us. Adam, a.k.a. Wiccafe Springs Eternal, will be guesting on the show. So uh, if you are a uh, $5 or more patron, you will be able to uh, hear our live show. Uh, we'll post a link to it in uh, in our Discord and on the Patreon generally. So do that. Uh, we do a lot of other stuff on the Patreon, but I kind of want to hone in and focus on that for this. Um, so come and listen to us do the, uh, the all-out instant reaction live show at patreon.com slash everything elite.
2: That, that's good to hear. Uh, I feel like we were going on month two or three of Aaron say, uh, oh, might have a big guest for that. And it, of <laughs> course, was always uh, the aforementioned Adam. So glad to hear that he's uh, that he's on the pod.
1: Yeah, we were working on some things uh, with Adam and, and none of those worked out. So uh, <laughs> luckily, Adam is going to be joining us. Uh, he's very excited about it. He really enjoyed the TV show last night. So... Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, maybe some disparate takes on, on the instant reaction show.
2: And uh, you know, uh, a testament to his character that uh, despite disagreeing with us on this matter, he did not freak out on us or send us any death threats.
1: (laughs) No, he was very nice about his, uh, his disagreements. Uh, Also, of course it will be recorded and posted on the Patreon later, you know, so if you're not going to stay up late after the show, uh, you'll still get our instant reaction show. So uh, come hang out with uh, with us and with Adam. Okay, we don't know anything about Dynamite next week, except there's going to be a lot of surprises. Uh, let's run down the card real quick. We did a full all-out preview on the Patreon uh, this past week. On Monday, we posted that. So go check that out. But there are a few matches that we didn't know about yet. I'll run down the whole card just in case. Uh, John Moxley, of course, defending the AW World Championship against MJF, the paradigm shift. Is banned. Chris Jericho versus Orange Cassidy in the Mimosa Mayhem match, uh, which can be won by pinfall, submission, or throwing the opponent into a tank of mimosa, as uh, is is usual in pro wrestling matches. The AW World Tag Team titles are on the line. Kenny Omega and Adam Page defending against FTR. The women's world title is on the uh, on the line. Hikaru Shida going against Thunder Rosa. There's a 21-man Casino Battle Royal. The winner will receive a future AW World Championship match. Uh, here's the people we know so far. Darby Allen, Lance Archer, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Pentagon, Ray Fenix, The Butcher, The Blade, Eddie Kingston, Sean Spears, Billy of the Gun Club, Austin Gunn of the Gun Club, Jake Hager, Santana, Ortiz, Chuck Taylor, Trent. I didn't count those,
3: but uh, 17.
1: So there's a few more.
3: Uh, d3 fabu andre uh ryzen and, and tony uh, donati there you go tony donati's championship climb is starting tonight is starting this weekend i
2: love serpentico it Serpentico was out there also don't forget serpentico serpentico, serpentico
3: is out there a little offended that we did not see uh luther jump in there and help out serpentico would this. love
1: to see luther uh, there's an eight-man tag, the Dark Order team of Brody Lee, Colt Cabana, Evil Uno, and Stu Grayson going against the team of Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and The Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes, and QT Marshall with Allie at ringside. Uh, Nate, how do you feel about Allie coming out in the jacket uh, with the bunny on the back of it?
2: Uh, extremely confusing. Don't like <laughs> it. Um, yeah, just doesn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. The tag team match we talked about earlier, the Jurassic Express team of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus going against the Young Bucks. Uh, The Broken Rules match. If Matt Hardy loses, he must leave AEW. Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. And on the buy-in, the Tooth and Nail match, Britt Baker against Big Swole.
3: So there's exactly uh, three matches on the show that have no stipulation attached to it whatsoever.
1: (laughs) Somebody, I can't remember who it was that but somebody called Tony out on that, on the media call. He's like, a lot of stipulations on this card, Tony. He was at the question. It was Sean Raddick. actually, now that I think about it, he was like, <laughs> he's like, uh, how did you go about like building the card? And at the time I thought like this question sucks. But now that I think about it, because then he was like, you know, you got stipulations up and down the card. And now I realize he was saying like, Tony, what the fuck were you <laughs> thinking of doing like 30 stipulation matches on this show?
3: Fair point. A legit point. Three matches out of nine do not have stipulations. Three.
2: I will I'll make a personal appeal to Big Bicep Tony at this time. Put the tag title match on last. It's your biggest title match on the show. Put it in the main event. You know, slot slot MJF and Moxley down a down a slot. Is this like they've been
1: very uh uh serious about putting the AW World title on last, but they've also told us. And they've, I think they've proven this one, that they're going to take tag team wrestling very seriously and feature it. Uh, so, yeah, when are we going to have the, the tag team title in the main event? This is other than no, I, don't, I mean, this is just as big, I think, as to me, as FTR Young Bucks. That might be the bigger match uh, to a well, lot of the this, crowd. Is,
2: this is also the going to be the match with the most implications going forward, because we're going to see Hangman and Omega lose the belt and break up or something. And that's exactly why the Young Bucks match is on this show also, because uh, they're going to win their match. FTR is going to win this year, and that's going to be your hook for the big story going forward. FTR versus Young Bucks for the belts. So yeah, put that put that shit on last. Make that your big big uh, centerpiece of this show.
3: And they've had two matches on two of the pay-per-views before they've not had the world title on last. The uh, unsanctioned match at Full Gear with Omega and Moxley, and then the Stadium Stampede match at Double or Nothing. So they they have shown that they were willing to put stuff above the world title match in the pay per view.
1: Do you all think there's any chance Thunder
3: Rosa wins this match?
2: Kind of, I kind of do. I,
3: I that know. is out of the title matches after the tag team title match. It's the one I most expect this happen. Like I like I don't think like MJF has like a five percent chance. Thunder Rosa has a puncher's chance.
2: Yeah, Thunder Rosa. Had, uh... chance.
3: Yeah, there we (laughs) go. I said, I was going to say 33, you said 38. So,
2: yeah, I kind of, uh, because, you know, NWA is not doing anything. Uh,
3: Uh, Correction, they are starting something on the United Wrestling Network.
2: Oh, that's right. But, you know, uh, you just, you wonder why it's to uh, the NWA's advantage to let AW get their hooks into one of their better talents, um, you know, by allowing her to go here and work this program. Uh, so, you know, maybe the answer is, hey, give her a little run with it. That's, uh, you know, that's how you do it in Japanese promotions. It's like, oh, well, you know, if we're going to have somebody come in and and do a program from another promotion uh, and they eventually have to lose because you have to lose before you leave the promotion. The way you sort of protect them is you also give them a title reign while they're there. Well,
1: it's also the way you make it make it seem like it has any value. You know, it's like, OK, this person won. Now we can use them to put somebody else over. I mm. mean, it's the, the best way to use it. I give her. About as equal of a chance as the percentage that Joe Kennedy the third ended up with, uh, in his failed Ooh, attempt. I want to say so, that was
2: 44 percent.
3: Yeah, that's 44 <laughs> percent.
2: It, it was, okay. it's, a,
1: it's a little high. I don't, I, you know, I just really wanted to dunk on Joe
3: Kennedy. I'm glad,
2: glad we all had that stat on right at the Fedora. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's so, not like we all weren't just quickly reloading that on Tuesday night to make sure that happened.
2: There's so little to to bring
1: joy in this world. And uh, I, I,
2: I want to be clear, I was not, I was playing Captain Tsubasa.
1: I was refreshing. And I saw it that after the fact. I needed it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I Honestly, it hadn't crossed my mind. And I and I let Tony Khan work me today where he was like, he's like, well, you know, if uh, Thunder Rosa wins, of course, she will do this. And then he just like five times, he was like, you know, uh, Thunder Rosa's got a really good chance of winning. I just thought like, you trying to tell me something, big tone. <laughs> Are you trying to suggest something here? Um, I think that would be, I would feel bad for Hikaru Shida in that like, she kind of got this run during the COVID thing, and it's like, oh, fans are back. See ya.
2: Well, she would definitely win it back, like in short order. So, you yeah. think they
1: would do like a three match program where Sheeta ends up yeah, with the title at the like end? That.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, it would by no means be the the end if she this time on top of the division because, you know, at this point she's like kind of the <laughs> like the established star in the division by uh, default. Uh, no idea where Nyla Rose is, so. Uh, Tony also did mention he was, you
1: know, giving the usual excuses for why the women's division is bad. And he said, Yuka Sakazaki is a big wrestler for us. So uh, (laughs) Uh,
2: I I respect that. I respect. I I mean, hey, more, you know, you can speak it into existence. I mean,
3: she was ranked in the top five for two months (laughs) after she did not appear in the company. So she was a big she was a ranked wrestler for them.
1: I just like to believe it means that they intend on having her back when uh, when they're able to. So
2: hey, I also uh, didn't mention this Excalibur with the shout out to Thunder Rosa being the Tokyo Joshi Pro uh, International Princess Champion. That was fun. He,
1: he did. That's right. So, um, well, that's all I have. You guys have anything else you want to talk about? No. Okay. I, I'm good, y'all. All right. Good. Uh, you can just follow us on every, at on Twitter at everythingAEW when the when the live show is getting started. I'm sure we'll tweet about it. So you'll want to see that. Uh I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate, is that a Genesis? Mike, is that Fuji? Hey, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. Uh, most importantly, go to patreon.com slash everything elite. If you sign up at the $5 tier or above, you will have access to the live instant reaction show with Adam from Phase Springs Eternal. Uh, immediately after all out. So join us.
2: Yeah, check out the Discord. We have a fan art of Tony Khan as an anime cat.
1: That's right. We have that. Uh and the the Five Star Grand Prix daily audio updates will be returning. Uh probably on Monday. They say that's when the shows will start going up. So there's going to be assuming no more uh COVID issues, there'll be a lot of Grand Prix Five Star Grand Prix daily audio updates in September. So a good time to subscribe uh for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you, I hope on Saturday, if not next week.